Hi, welcome to the Ellis Parker Show. I'm D.V. LeBron. Today I have a very special guest, Mr. Ed Harrison, who is running for the school board in Place 7. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me on tonight. I really, really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you coming on. And, and you know, I've, I've gotten all the candidates with you. I've gotten all the candidates for, uh, for Midlothian. And now I'm finishing up Waxahachie soon before the elections. And then I'm taking a break. That's a lot of people. I even covered a little bit of Red Oak. You deserve it. So thank you. Um, you know, I wanted to have you on. Um, I had your opponent on and we, we talked some good stuff. And I wanted to have you on to talk to the people of, of Midlothian. But first, you know, I know that it's a recognizable name, but people may not know who you are. I mean, there's a lot of new people here. So um, there's some guy that, you know, I, you know, he might have the same name as you. But um, anyway, go ahead and tell the people about you. Yes, my name's Ed Harrison, and I've lived in MISD for 23 years now, almost 23 years. And what DV is referring to, I, I have three adult kids. My oldest kid is... Uh, his name's Brian, and he is our state representative. And Brian is 40. He's got four kids. He lives in MISD. Uh, two of those four kids go to the MISD, and one more will be joining him next uh, next year. We'll, we'll be joining those those two. Now, I'm very, very proud of Brian. Brian has been successful. He's I think he's one of the hardest working state representatives in the entire state of Texas. I wish we had many more like him. But I also have two daughters who don't get the recognition, but I'm equally proud of them and I love them just as just as much. I have a daughter and her family who live about equal distance as Brian and his family does from us. We we all live in the MISD. Her name is Carrie and she's married and she has three kids and two of those three kids also attend MISD. Carrie is fantastic. She is a labor and delivery nurse over at Baylor Waxahachie and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely proud of her. My, my third child is our youngest. And of course, she does not live in Texas and don't tell anybody this because I don't want anybody to know, but she married a guy from Jersey and uh, they have three kids up there. And unfortunately, my son-in-law has a, is buying his father's business, engineering business up there. So I doubt they're going to be moving back. And uh, they, uh, she is a graduate of Texas Tech. Uh, my middle kid is a RN working at Baylor Walks at you. And I didn't mention this. Brian is a graduate of Texas A&M and a degree in economics. Wow. It, that is uh, that economics and um, I'm sorry, technology. So, I mean, it, it is you have an extensive family and, and family is always nice. Family is always good. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, there there are many many hats that you've had in, in your, uh, in your life. Yes. And I kind of wanted you to kind of speak on that and, and how those, all those different hats may have led you to where you're at now or what you want to do now. Yes. Well, my background, I'm, I'm not a professional educator. I do have an education background, but I'm not a professional. I started my own business back in 1983 and I ran that business for 38 years. And two years ago, I decided that it was time to retire from that business. I still dabble in it, but during that time in my business career, I, I was a custom home builder for those of you who don't know, and I did a very little bit of property development, but some, some right around here. And during that time, I had the opportunity to serve on many board of directors for profit and nonprofit entities. I was elected to be president of the Dallas Home Builders Association, which was the fourth largest home building association in America. 
I served on the National Association of Home uh, Home Builders and the Texas Association of Home Builders on their board of directors uh, for quite a few years. And today I serve on numerous boards still, some profit, like I said, and some not for profit. Now my business, because of my business and the type entity that it was, I had the ability or I was forced at times to interact with all levels of government, including um, federal government, state government, county government, and the cities, the local government, and at times even within the school district. So I know what it's like to work with government entities and how to negotiate with them and figure out what it's going to take to make something work. So I see things from the private sector and because of my private sector background and working with the government sector, I know how to get the most for the least, come to a compromise and move forward for the benefit of both entities. And, and I have been involved in politics on and off since my wife and I got married back in 1977. 1977. You know, you, you're not supposed to be aging yourselves like that. I, I, I still believe Trisha is somewhere around 25. So she will tell you that she is. And, and, and I think she is also. So I, I, um, you know, you, you've, you've, you've had, you know, you've done some things in your life and, and, um, you know, there's a lot of things going on in, in the school board and, and you've decided to throw your name, your name in a hat. But I wanted to ask you, what is the role of, of the school board in the live, the proper role of the school board in the lives of the people of Milotian, the parents of Milotian, MISD? Yeah, great question. Thank you for that. The role of the school board trustee is to oversee the superintendent and to manage the budget and to have overall supervisory capacity for the entire district. The role of the trustee affects everyone, every student, every parent, and every taxpayer in the MISD. And the way I became very interested in the MISD is because of my background, my business background. Going back quite a few years ago when we moved here, my Ellis County background goes back to when I was a teenager. I lived in Maypearl for quite a while, and I love Maypearl. I love Ellis County. But we moved here because of the MISD, and that's what most other people did also, the quality schools that we had. As a matter of fact, I was very persuasive, I like to think, in causing my, my middle child, Carrie, and her family to move to the MISD, and Brian and his wife, Tara, and their family to move to MISD. And then Kelly, my, my youngest that I mentioned in his jersey, I'm still trying to talk to her. Like I said, I think that's a fleeting hope that I have as far as getting them here. But the draw to our area has been the MISD. So as a businessman, I begin to hear things. And as a grandparent, I begin to hear things about MISD. And I wanted to see for myself. And I had spoken to some of the trustees, but I, about three years ago, I began watching online and attending our school board meetings. And I have sat in some overly long meetings and I have listened to what's going on. And I had some concerns to be very honest with you, some physical concerns, some policy concerns, but the main concern I had is the quality of education for our children. I do believe MISD is a good school district, but I believe we can be better. And what I'm concerned about is that we have had increasing property taxes to the point that many of our homeowners, especially homeowners, if you're a police officer or if you're a school teacher starting out here in the MISD and you have to pay our property taxes, you're going to be hard stressed, hard pressed to pay those taxes. So I was concerned about taxes going up and our test scores either remaining stagnant or going down. So I begin to attend those meetings and I watched and I've watched and I've listened 
And it's interesting from the private business perspective to see how the ISD is run and to compare the two and think about what is the goal? The goal is to provide the best education for our students. And then also, I was concerned about our teachers. We're losing teachers as fast as we can. Now, DV, I got to tell you a story. I, I don't share much, but I want to tell you this. Teachers have been an integral part of my life. When I was in high school, I had a, a, a teacher named Mr. Harrow, and she was about four foot six. And I thought she was old at the time. Today, I wouldn't think that whatsoever. But she was my history teacher. I wasn't a very good student, but she would poke me in the chest. She would tell me a joke. She'd get in my face. And I had an English teacher that was very, very similar. That was very important to me at that time, because when I was 13, my dad died. And when I came here to this area to live, I came to live with a sister who didn't know I was coming. And from the time I was 13, I lived with her for just a couple of years and I was 15 or 16. I found myself on my own and I was working full time. When school got out at about 3.30, I would go and I sold shoes. Now, there are going to be some of your listeners who don't realize that retail stores in Texas used to close at 6 p.m. So I would work. I would leave immediately from school. I would go and sell shoes until 6 p.m. And then after that, I would go and I would mount tires and do tune-ups at an auto center that stayed open until nine. Then I would go home. I either had an apartment by myself or I had a roommate sometimes. It just depended. And I would try to study. I would try to do what it takes. The next morning, I would, get up, I would get up and go back to school. One day, I was sitting in class and a counselor came and took me out of that class. And he said to me, Ed, you are never going to graduate taking these regular classes. So what we're going to do this put you in a shop class. Back then it was called the uh, vocational ed, today CTE, and it's a very worthwhile thing. Well, yeah. that counselor's name was Gordon Wilson, and Gordon Wilson was right. I did not finish high school, but not because I dropped out. The school found out that I was not living with a parent or guardian. I was living on my own, and I, I was expelled from the school, and I did not want to be expelled. I never envisioned not finishing high school. Later on, because I wanted to continue my education, because I wanted to make something of myself, Vietnam War was going on still, and I joined the Navy. It was in the Navy where I took a GED. By the way, it was in the Navy where I became a Christian. And after I got out of the Navy, after I served my time in the Navy, I came back to Maypearl, Texas, and I started attending First Baptist Church of Maypearl, Texas. And I met some really wonderful friends who were attending Hill Junior College. They took me on the bus to Hill Junior College, and I enrolled there. And I studied there and that began my college education. It took seven years of working full time and attending college, but I got a bachelor's degree from Dallas Baptist College back then. Now it's university. And I married my wife that I just mentioned, Trish. And uh, but one step further than that, I not only did a bachelor's degree, I went on and I earned a master's degree in 1992. I had a young man work for me in the early 90s. His name was Eric. And I asked Eric one time, he would do research for me on and off. I said, Eric, could you tell me um, how many students who never finished high school ever complete a bachelor's degree? And Eric came back to me sometime later and he said, Ed, the numbers I have found, now this is pre-internet, so I don't know, I, but I believe Eric. He said, it's one-tenth of 1% 1 of students who don't graduate from high school ever earn a bachelor's degree. I asked him, I said, could you tell me how many students who never finished high school, go on and earn a master's degree. 
And he came back and he said, I can't find any numbers on that. So I have been blessed and that I didn't finish high school, but because of teachers like that, Mr. Harrow, that spurred me to continue, that spurred me to want to succeed, I could never give up. Now, let me bring this full circle. Not only did I not finish high school, but I went on to earn through hard work, a bachelor's and a master's degree. I've had my own business now 40 years. I, I don't actively run it now, but 40 years. I taught at Dallas Baptist University as an adjunct professor for 15 years, just as an adjunct. But I think that gives me unique insight. My business background gives me insight into how the entity itself should run. And my educational background, as far as teaching in a university, it had me prepare in a classroom environment. I had to do lesson plans. I had to grade papers. I had to interact with the faculty and the administration. And it just, uh, I think it's a great benefit to me uh, as far as running for trustee at Midlothian School District. Well, before I proceed, I want to thank you for your service. My dad joined the Marines to go off to Vietnam and um, he didn't, uh, he didn't do too well when he got back. So I like to tell the Vietnam era vets welcome home because they didn't get welcome homes. And, uh, he died of what is it? Uh, six, four to six days, I think before my 14th birthday. So we have something similar there. You're not telling me that I'm old enough to be your dad, are you? No, we're not going there. Yeah. You know, we're not going there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I'm thanking you for your service as in one Navy man to another. Well, uh, yeah. service. But hey, let me tell you one other uh, tidbit that this is kind of interesting. The guy who got me out of the class, the counselor that got me out of the class back at that high school, his name's Gordon Wilson. I mentioned that, I think. Yeah. He was best friends with my wife's family. Their last name was Roman. And the, he was the guy who told me I'd never finish high school. He attended our wedding. Trish was in the top 10% of our graduating class there. And I married a top flight student. I was not a high school graduate at the time. So Gordon got to come and see me and he followed my career after that. That's, you know, it's crazy when that, that comes full circle and you get to see people like that. Um, you know, for me, it was Mr. Lucchini, but that's another story. Um, you know, running, running for school board, you know, there's the school board controls a lot of things and and a lot of people a lot of people kind of ignore the school board at their peril um the, soon the tax bills are going to be coming out and you know you're going to get a lot of posts about how ow you know my taxes my taxes and and then you know they don't realize that the biggest part of their taxes are the the, the taxes that come for the schools so exactly. You know, the big debates that, that there were, were there was uh, at the time they were calling it no new revenue rate. And then there was these different rates that were being discussed in, in the schools. And, and um, you know, people are suffering with taxes and that's a structural issue. And that's something that's going on. People are debating and going through in, in, in Austin right now. Um, but where, where if you were elected, um, it would be something that you can affect on the personal level of the people of Melothian. So I wanted to get your your thoughts on taxes. What would you like to see if you were elected? Well, what can the people expect from you when it comes to the tax rate debates? Yeah, thank you. I believe taxes equal freedom. 
the less tax that we have to pay to any entity gives the individual and the family and the student more freedom to do what they want. And sometimes I jokingly call it the happy meal evaluation or happy meal uh, situation. If a family is taxed so much, they can't take their kids to get a happy meal and just enjoy an evening out, then they're being taxed way too much. And some of our families, when I, DV, I have been out knocking on doors. I'm listening to homeowners. And the one overriding complaint is our taxes are too high. Now, let me let me give you a, a, an example of this and, and the way that different my private sector background, but I've also negotiated with government. Let me explain to you how something works. I saw this firsthand. If somebody could pull up the August of 22 MISD board meeting, it's online, it's on demand. You could pull it up and watch the whole thing. They were evaluating the new tax rate that we're paying right now for this year. And when the staff came in, the staff did exactly what they are supposed to do. They proposed and they recommended a tax rate. Now the tax rate that they proposed and recommended was right below the state th state set threshold. If they go to that threshold or above, then they have to have a referendum by the taxpayers to make sure that the taxpayers approve that tax increase. So what the staff did, it built a budget up to the legal limit and right below it, so they could avoid a they could avoid a uh, a tax referendum, and then instead of like a private sector business that says, uh, here's what our but here's what our spending is going to be and stays at a lower level because if they exceed that, if they exceed their gross revenues, that's great. But taxing entities don't do that. So I believe that we should set our taxes as low as possible. Now, if I were if, if I were in charge of everything and, and I'm not and I never will be, but I think that there's ways we can increase what we pay to teachers without increasing our taxes. So I, I just got to tell you, any place that I can reduce taxes on our taxpayers and cut our overhead without cutting our costs, our quality to our students is the place that I'm going to be looking at. And that includes every item, especially associations that we deal with, like privately funded associations that are not representing the state of Texas whatsoever. Well, we're going to talk about that one. Uh, oh, sorry to interrupt you. We're going to talk okay. about that one in the budget. But, you know, definitely with these taxes, um, the people like if if no new revenue rate showed up, what would what would be your thoughts on something like that? Well, the MISD is a growing district, so they have something called the compression rate. And I don't think you can go to a purely NNR within MISD. But what we have is what, what a lot of people don't understand because it's complex. And I don't blame them for not understanding that is the Ellis Central Appraisal District sets the market value of the property. And then the tax rate, how much of that property, what rate that property is going to be taxed at is set by the local taxing entity, whether it's the ESD, the county, the city or the school. And so what if your property value goes up, which everyone has, then the tax rate should go down. So when people complain to some members of their school board that our taxes are too high, the school board can say, well, we lowered your tax rate. And that's true. But that's giving a false representation of lowering their taxes. You lower the tax rate, but the property value has gone up so much that the true tax amount has gone up. So what we should do is lower the tax rate lower so that the tax amount does not go up. And let me tell you one of the big reasons why we can do that. We enjoy something that not a lot of communities 
even in Texas enjoy. We have a tremendous amount of new dollars in taxable property coming into the MISD, property that was once farmland and ag exemption. Well, it gets developed and it gets uh, a finished lot rather than just being farmland. Now that's taxed at a higher value. And then all of a sudden it gets a house put on it. Now it's taxed at a higher value. Or what about commercial properties that come on? They're taxed at a higher value. So we are receiving many more dollars in revenues than what we have in prior times. So we can lower the tax rate. Yeah. And, and you know, let me let me play devil's advocate here. Um, one of the arguments that I see often and, and some people have expressed is, you know, if, if you're cutting these taxes, you know, what are you going to cut it? The most of the budget is personnel, you know, who, who are, you know, where are you going to cut from? And, and that's kind of, we can lead into the budget there, uh, Mr. Harrison, because, you know, you're going to be looking at budgets every year and, you know, they're going to be presenting budgets to you. Can the people expect some, uh, you to be a good steward of their money and, and, and how will you deal with budgets every year? Well, first of all, let me answer the, the one of your questions first. Sorry. Yeah. Good steward with your money. I'm running because I want the best education possible for our students. I want our test scores to go up. Right now, all our kids are reading at 57% of grade level. We can do better than that. It's not as bad as it could be, but it's not as good as it should be. We can do better. And we need to focus on the essential items like math, reading, science, history, and the skills to prepare our kids for the 21st century. Now, as far as budget goes, I love digging into budget items. But I believe after attending these school board meetings, we have got so many ancillary costs. So let me throw something back at you, DV. We have a, 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 over about $120 million operation within the MISD. If I ask you, according to TEA, what percentage of our budget goes to pay teachers, what would you guess? Uh, 40%. Take another guess. Um, 60? Uh, the less... 19 percent dv 19 percent only 19 percent goes to pay actual teachers this is actual, just teachers this is according to ea if you okay. had teacher benefits in it that's three percent so now we're talking 22 percent of the total budget goes to teachers the rest of it goes to to overhead to interest uh, uh to other administrative costs if you look at our district compared to other districts of comparable size, we are a, a somewhat top-heavy district. And I think we can cut some of that back. One of the things I like to do when I was running business or businesses or setting on boards is when it came time for budgeting, uh, we would sit there and analyze every procurement. It would be hours upon hours upon hours of detailed asking the staff, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Can we postpone this? Why are we doing this? And then we would hone that out and hone it down to where it was a taut, tight physical budget. Now, I think we can do the same with the MISD because I believe we have a good staff. I believe we have well operating procedures, but I don't think we've come back and said, where can we reduce our cost and memberships of, of dependence on third party administrators? And, and I think we can do that. And I think it could be very, very cost, effect, uh, cost effective. So when we're only spending 19% on teachers, and one of the biggest problems that we're having is we're losing some of our most mature, longest tenured teachers, not just because we're not paying enough, but we're losing them because we're not supporting them in the classroom environment as far as discipline is concerned. 
and as far as just appreciation to them and letting them know and appreciation is not just money money is a very big part of it but we need to make sure that we do everything we can to cut costs in other areas to fund our teachers and keep our best and most qualified teachers in their position for the benefit of our children and, and that was definitely that is definitely something that that i asked other candidates how how can we be competitive uh for the teacher pools and i mean there's a lot of teachers leaving the profession now and and um one of the things that that we we tried as a district or or um Midlothian ISD tried as a district right now and is currently going is that 410 schedule and you know there were a lot of parents that were upset there were a lot of people who really liked it it was one of those things where some people really like it some people really hate it can you kind of speak on that yeah i'll be happy to thanks for asking about that I was at the board meeting when the MISD sent the survey out and they received the response back. I was at the board meeting. Like I said, I attend almost every one of them. I haven't recently started coming to the board meetings. I have been attending these now for a long time. And I've sat and I've seen and I've listened and I read everything I could get my hands on. So I was at that board meeting when they uh, displayed the results from that survey. And it was interesting. It was interesting. But by the next board meeting, they came out with this hybrid um, schedule. And uh, that's what you're addressing right now is the hybrid. Yes. And as a businessman, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, why did you do a survey if you did not have a four-day product on the shelf? Now, forgive me if I call it a product and that's the wrong word, a four-day schedule on the shelf. If you are going to ask the population, the teachers, everyone else, if they want a four-day schedule, then you should have had a four-day schedule on the cell, on the shelf. So what happened if you, and by the way, I invite anyone to go back and listen to these, to these podcasts of MISD board meetings, because every word I'm telling you, these things actually happen. From the time they revealed the results of the survey to the introduction by Dr. Wilson of the hybrid schedule, it was one month past. During that one month, they set up a committee, three members of the trustees were on that committee. Four members of the trustees did not receive the hybrid schedule until they got their board package. So they only had a few days to digest this and the time that Dr. Wilson presented it. So they made a major decision in less than a couple days. And this decision is going to affect every student. Now, some sidelights, some ancillary things to this. There were surveys that have been done in other districts. And one district found out that when they polled their upper level, upperclassmen in high schools, whether or not they wanted the four day survey, they found out that the students, the upper level students who had younger siblings whose parents worked, they did not want the four day work week because they didn't want to babysit their students. And then I also had a law enforcement official, actually I had two law enforcement officials call me and say, Ed, I just want you to be aware that if this goes into effect, we have a true four day work, uh, school week juvenile crime will go up because it tends to go up in the summer because those parents who are not able to supervise their children may not be supervising their children. So I think there were a lot of considerations. I think we needed to have a task force to work with the teachers and find out exactly what they want. But going back, as far as a decision, I want to go back to even the survey itself. Until all the bugs have been worked out of the survey, it would have been prudent and responsible, not even to submit the survey to our taxpayers, to our parents, 
and to those people in the MISD until we had all of the bugs worked out and said, this is viable. No. And, you know, when I had um, I had uh, the president of board, uh, Ms. Toby on, she talked about she talked about some of the 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 challenges and in, in, in dealing and talking to parents and some parents really, you know, worried about how what was going to happen to their kid on that extra day. So I know that that is a very deep to to topic and we can speak on it all day. Unfortunately, I'm getting close on my time, but I wanted to cover, there's so much more I want to cover. So guys, forgive me. I might go a little longer today. So, um, one of the things that you had kind of, uh, or I'm going to jump into the bond. The bond issue is the biggest issue. I'm going to have, uh, Dr. Hollingsworth on actually tomorrow to talk about the bond at WISD. I I've had, uh, uh, Dr. Fayon talk about the bond here at MISD. So I wanted to get your thoughts on the bond. Uh, you know, you know, some people are concerned with costs. Some people are saying, hey, we need this for the community. So I, I'd like to I'd like to talk to you and see what, what you got to say about that. Yeah. Well, the bond. Are you telling me there's a bond issue? I hadn't heard about this. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit popular. A little bit. OK, first of all, let me tell you, I am not anti bond. Uh, we are growing tremendously. And right beside me on my desk right here, I have a chart of the capacities of all the MISD campuses right now. And I've studied that chart and we must have an elementary school, at least one and maybe two. What I do have a concern about is debt. So let me ask you, DV, I ask you what percentage goes to pay teachers. Let me ask you, do you know what our total indebtedness is right now within the MISD? I don't. You want to take a guess? Uh, you know, I, I'm thinking that we're like, I think the number was something like, uh, 600 million or something you, like that. You win the award. You are the first person that I have asked that nailed it. Right now, the principal is about 500 million and with interest, it's about 600 million. Now, let me go back to taxes. One of the reasons why the tax rate last August was not lowered more is because Dr. Fay revealed that they were going to push a bond issue this May and they had to lower the debt so they needed principal reduction. That's why they wanted the tax rate to stay higher than what they could have put it. They could have been lower, so we could have had a tax reduction, but they wanted to lower the principal amount on the former bond debt so that they could incur or take on this bond debt for the growth of these buildings. So my concern is if we have a total indebtedness right now of $600 million and the bond, all three issues on the bond are about $415 million. Then if you add those numbers together, it will put us over $1 billion. Now, let me, let me tell you what Jessica Ward said, she, a board trustee, for those of you who don't know, during this debate on the bond issue, she said, well, the interest will be $40 million a year, $40 million a year. That's a lot of interest for taxpayers to pay. And once, a week, once again, we go back to that TEA pie chart of the MISD, we're already paying a large amount in interest right now. So if we had more interest upon interest and more debt upon debt, then eventually, regardless of what people say, especially as property values climb and our tax rate may go up, we are going to be paying a lot more debt. And once again, I go back to what is in the best interest of the students? How do we give them a more quality education? And that's in giving our teachers the discipline support they need in the classroom and the monetary compensation they need to stay within the MISD. Now, someone has been saying 
that if we don't pass the bond, teachers are not going to get a raise for the next three years. Well, the bond has nothing to do with the teachers getting a raise. Actually, the teachers raise their compensation is external to the bond and it's set by the school board. So here's what I would have liked to have happened. I would have really enjoyed if the trustees or the administration with the trustees approval had come forth to the citizens, taxpayers of MISD and said, we are in desperate need of one or two elementary schools, which I agree with. And we are going to put an elementary school on that corner over there. And here's the plan or the rendering or the rough draft of the plan. And it's going to be 35 million, 45 million, whatever the number is going to be. And then we're going to put another elementary school in that portion of town. And here's the number for that one. And I think that would have been passed hands down. And I could wholeheartedly support that because we've got to be able to properly educate our students because that's the number one thing we do right now. But I'm scared of the debt. And if we have a slowdown right now, I'm in the real estate business. I'm a home builder. I am driving around Middle Othian this week and I see a big builder, big regional builder has a sign up in front of his community advertising that he is buying down 30 year fixed interest, fixed rate mortgages. When you see incentives like that, that means the market is not as hot as it was. So I'm concerned if we do have a downturn, we're still going to have to pay that debt service. On the other side, we have to make proper provisions to educate and house our students and make sure they're safe. Yeah. And, they, you know, the the schools are growing. And that's when I had Dr. Fayon. She was talking about the the growth that has happened and the new students that have came. Actually, it was more I, I think it was more than projected. So those things, those things are um, I mean, you're getting more students. And she was talking about on the lower level, on the lower ends, like uh, pre-K and kindergarten and stuff that we're getting more in there than was, was expected. Well, so actually, you, right, right now, DV, right now we're a little bit under projections. Okay. Now I'm not well, saying it's not going to pick up. I, I can't forecast the future. And I do agree with Dr. Fay. Our elementary schools are the hardest ones hit right now and they, we need to help them. Yeah. And, and so these things are proposed. I, I think we're, you know, and I'm sorry to editorialize folks. I think where it gets ugly is, you know, and it's disappointing. Um, you don't like bonds. You hate kids. You like bonds. You want to raise taxes on the world, and it, there's there's so many so much hyperbole around it, and I don't think that there's any evil people on either side. That there, some people are concerned with the debt, and that's a real concern. And some people are concerned with you know what's going on with the schools and having better schools for their community. So there there's concern on both ends. People just need to talk to each other. That was you enough of my monologue. When, when I talk to people, when I'm knocking doors, DV, and I'm talking to people, I go up to them and I, I never know who's behind the door. And I know at my age, they open the door and they think I'm, I'm collecting for the geriatric ward or something, but I'm not. And I, I say to them, I'm Ed Harrison. I'm running for school board. Have you heard about this race? I'd like to have your vote. And when I get them to open up with me, they are very concerned about some of the, the policies that uh, they don't want to see us become a woke school district. They don't want to see us have a politically correct education. They don't want our students to be indoctrinated. They want them to be educated. They are very, very concerned about girls sports being protected. And so am I. And I want to tell you, if we don't make education first, and if we don't get back to teaching at grade level or teaching our kids to read at grade level, I think it was Dr. Fay who said, if we haven't taught the kid to read properly by the third grade, then they're going to have problems for the rest of their education. 
And I agree with that. So regardless of whether a child wants to grow up and be a, a nuclear physicist or a, a home builder, if they can't read, it's going to be an impediment. So we've got to get back and support a quality education without ancillary issues. We've got to be able to properly educate our kids or properly house our students within a cost effective structure that's not going to break the students' parents when they get the tax bill on it. And once again, we've got to support our teachers. So let's go into the, the, the social since you touched on it. Um, one of the things that have been brought up was the Texas Association of Schools. There, there was some stuff that they had put out about um, transgender and they're, they're, they, they kind of ventured into the political realm a little bit, Tasby. And then there was some stuff on a national level where, you know, there was stuff reported to the DOJ. There was there was a big scandal with that. But, you know, that TASB is something that, that has been a hot button issue. So I wanted you to kind of chime in on TASB. Do you support keeping them or would you like to for us to get or MISD to get away from them? Yeah, fair question. So let me let me take you back. I started to mention it earlier and I, and I, I really appreciate you broaching this subject because what people don't understand is that the Texas Association of School Boards is a private organization. It's a private association in its in its conception. It is no different than the National Association of Home Builders. It is not affiliated with the state of Texas. It's not affiliated with the TEA. It is a private association. The difference is that when I write my check to the National Association of Home Builders, I do it out of my own funds. When a member writes a check to the Texas Association of School Boards, it comes out of taxpayer funds. So you may love TASB or you may hate TASB, but all of us are being forced to pay the dues to TASB. Now, my problem with TASB is that TASB has taken some very left-wing uh, uh, left uh, ideologies. And what they have done is they have said, you know what? People who attend, parents who attend school board meetings and speak, they might be considered domestic terrorists. And so TASB notified NASB, National Association of School Boards, and they notified the DOJ or the FBI, and some parents were investigated. And you can research this. It's true. Not only that, in breakout sessions, last I believe it was last September, I believe it was in San Antonio, in the TASB convention, they had breakout sessions where they had uh, funded uh, ACLU attorneys to come and teach our school boards, local school boards, how to circumvent the laws that the legislature put in place not to teach CRT in our schools. They had also had breakout sessions funded by ACLU attorneys. By the way, everything I'm saying, you can search this and find this uh, about uh, how to promote some things that I don't fit the ethics and the morals and the virtues and values of the MISD. So all of that was funded by taxpayer money. I don't think that's right. Now, I'm not against taxpayer. I'm not against TASB having members. But what I would say is that the MISD paid approximately $250,000 last year in membership to TASB. Well, okay. But if the administration, if the individual members of the administration want to be a member of TASB, or the school board members want to be a member of TASB and attend their educational programs, fine. Let them do just like every private business does, whether it's the Texas Restaurant Association or the Association of General Contractors or the Dallas Builders Association, let them take from their private funds 
and pay the dues themselves. Don't make MISD taxpayers pay for an association that is liberal. And by the way, the executive administrator of the Texas Association of School Boards makes $1.1 million a year. I want to say that again, $1.1 million a year. And all of it comes from ISDs who are paying with taxpayer dollars to support a private association. I don't think that's necessary. And I think we could do much better with our taxpayer money. Well, uh, I mean, the one point that's uh, 1.1 million more than I make. That's a lot of money. <laughs> that's a lot of money. Well, look, I unfortunately, um, Mr. Harrison, I, I, I could have you on and talk all day, but, you know, I ran out of time. Um, I wanted to go ahead and have you. This is the part of the show where you get to talk directly to people in Melodian and kind of tell them, you know, what you want to tell them. This is your your pitch to them. I'm going to step out of the way. Thank you, DV. Thank you for having me on. And for those of you who are watching that are undecided in this race, I would really be honored uh, to be your representative on the MISD Board of Trustees. I'm not running for resume enhancement. I don't need that. I don't want that. I'm running for our taxpayers, for our teachers, for our administrators, and most of all, for our students, that they would succeed. I have the background, the wisdom, the knowledge, and the experience to be an asset, I believe, on the school board. I'm going to ask very, very difficult questions on that school board. I'm not trying to be at odds with anyone, but I want to do the best for our students. So if I see a way that we can either save money or save taxpayer money or reduce taxes, that is what I'm going to advocate for. I've lived here a long time. I've got a vast business experience. I've served on profit, for-profit, and not-for-profit boards. I understand how they work. I, I don't know everything, but I want to take all the experience that I've garnered in my business background and in my education background. I'm the only candidate that has been endorsed by as many entities as, as anybody in this race. I'm more than anybody in this race. I'm the only candidate that has an education background on a university level doing lesson plans and grading papers and interacting with the administration and the students. And I'm the only person with a business background. I have not spent my life as a career educator. Uh, I have spent my life earning money in the private sector. And I want to bring all that experience for the benefit of our district. And that's my only reason for running. I'm not looking for upward mobility. I'm looking to serve all those that I've already mentioned. And I would be honored to have your support. I'd be honored to be your representative on our board. So there you have it, folks. I've, I've had all the candidates on. Um, you, you can scroll through the videos and, and check them out. Um, on this race, on place seven, uh, you have uh, Mr. Ed Harrison and you have Ms. Sherry Dawson, um, both good people. Um, I was very happy to have them both on. That way, you know, they could talk to you, the people, and you make your choice. I don't make your choice for you. Nobody else does. But there's one thing that I will say. Mr. Harrison, me, my my buddy, Chris Kanegi, who died in January, um, and, and many others died for your right to vote. Or, or live for your right to vote or serve for your right to vote. Um, get out there and vote. Our voting is abysmal in, in Ellis County. It's it's horrible. Get out there and vote for whoever it is, uh, for whoever you decide. Get out there and voice your opinion and 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 have it heard because you get you get the government that you participate in. So stay informed and and you know make sure you get out there and vote. Uh, Mr. Harrison, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you know I always appreciate it when. 
when people come on the show, it, it's not an easy thing to sit here and get grilled. But, you know, I do appreciate it. And thank you for wanting to serve your community. And DV, I thank you for the service you do to our community. You're one of a kind. Thank you for your work. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Y'all take care.